0: Hello from Boise, Idaho, where no political candidates have body slammed political reporters this week. This is Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at education politics and education policy. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin. Kevin, it's still early. We're recording this on Thursday, so there is
1: still time for a good body slam.
0: Well, well, I, I will trust that we'll, we'll be back to do an emergency podcast if that were to occur. But, but let's assume that it doesn't happen because there's plenty to talk about already. Um... And we have to catch up with something that happened last Friday after we had taped last week's podcast, the latest installment in the never-ending story of science standards. Uh, You've been covering it all along, and you took a close look at what came out this time around.
1: Yeah, flashback real quickly to the beginning of the 2017 legislative session earlier this year. Uh, Our listeners and our readers will remember uh, that the legislature removed uh, five standards from a slate of temporary new science academic standards. And the five standards the legislators removed had to do with climate change, global warming, especially human impact on the environment. Mm -hmm. And the legislature took action in such a way that everything was temporary, meaning it will be coming back to them and being revisited in the 2018 session. And so there was a public comment period earlier this year where uh, folks in six different cities, as well as online, had a chance to weigh in uh, on the science standards debate. Got like debate. a thousand comments.
0: I mean, this is Still a very heated issue.
1: Um, and overwhelmingly, um, something like ninety-seven, ninety-eight percent of them were in favor of passing full science standards with references to climate change, human impact on the environment, intact. And so, after the public comment period, there was a a group of about twenty-five. Idaho teachers, industry leaders, representatives from government and university who came together earlier this month, they met in Boise at the State Department of Education offices, and they, um, they kind of edited and revamped uh, the five standards that had been pulled out by the legislature this year in an effort to... Um, appeased lawmakers who appeared concerned, saying things that um, the standards did not tell both sides of the debate about climate change and global warming and was too negative uh, in terms of dealing with human causes. And so this committee got back together uh, on May 12th, and then last Friday, the State Department of Education publicly released the five new standards. And uh, I had a chance to talk with some of the folks Uh, on the committee, including Angela Hemingway, the director of the STEM Action Center, and uh, the uh, science curriculum head for the Boise School District. And they talked about how they wanted – it was a difficult job. They wanted to Mm -hmm. maintain the integrity of the science behind the standards, but they also, um, now that we're in the third year of this process, they wanted to come up with something that would – Meet with legislative approval. And so, what they did was rather than specifically reference rising global temperatures in one standard, uh, they edited it so it said uh, changing climate. Uh, They also added a section talking about how uh, humans are in a position with technology and other uh, tools at their disposal to perhaps mitigate um, some of the effects. Especially
0: mitigate impacts on Earth's systems. I'm just looking at the wording. There you go, that's the wording uh,
1: from, from the new language. Uh, and so that was uh, that was in there. Um, the next step is it goes to the State Board of Education uh, for potential approval in August. That's already happened several times before. The State Board was not the sticking point. Uh, but if it gets approved by the State Board, there should be one more round of public comment and then likely going back to the legislature in 2018 for additional consideration uh, of all the science standards, the five that were pulled out these five proposed new ones, as well as the temporary, the balance of the science standards that were left in place on a temporary basis this year.
0: Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I was struck as I read the wording that came out on uh, a week ago, and you can go to IDO at ednews.org and you can download the, uh, the new standards uh, side by side with the old standards and sort of an explanation from the State Dep- Department of Education about uh, how the committee got there. You get a sense of how politically delicate this topic is at this point because the committee is having to balance against a public that is saying that uh, the public is showing up and making comments. The Idahoans who are taking the time to do that are saying overwhelmingly that they want robust standards that do address climate change. And you still get this through a legislature that's make it made it pretty clear that they're very skeptical about how to address climate change in these science standards. So There's definitely wording here that feels like it's trying to uh, thread a very tight uh, political needle. Absolutely, uh, it is. I had a chance. I've been trying
1: to reach out and get reaction from legislators Uh, so far as we record this podcast. I've had a chance to speak with Representative Alana Rubel. Now, she's a Boise Democrat, and if you remember, uh, Kevin, I know you remember, uh, she helped sponsor, she helped lead in informal Hearing on climate change right. at the State House this very year. Very widely, very you know, hundreds of attended. people yes, attended. Even it was an informal hearing. Uh, hundreds of people attended. There were climate scientists and climate experts who spoke at this. So I had a chance to talk with Representative Rubel earlier this week, and. I really got a sense of the politics behind this. Uh, She said that she wanted to congratulate the committee for working real hard. She wanted to celebrate the educators uh, that came up with these new standards and had been working on these standards for the last three years. But she came right out and said, listen, the legislature backed this committee into a corner. Mm -hmm. They were put in a hard position, and she worries um, about whether this will be ambiguous or whether this will be hard uh, for teachers to teach uh, she was. She's a critic of the Republicans uh, that pushed back against the science standards. She's a Democrat, obviously, so she's, uh, r- rivalries are,
0: are in play here in different a- And this is an year. issue that she's been very passionate about. Yeah.
1: She said education and climate change are two of her most important issues right now. But uh, you know, she said, why are we in the business of forcing teachers to write science standards uh, that will talk about positive impact um, from humans and, and that will sort of whitewash global warming? And uh, put things in a different perspective. That was Representative Rubel's perspective. I've reached out to Representative Scott Syme, who was the freshman Republican lawmaker uh, from Canyon County, who originally pushed back, left several messages, have not been able to hear back from him one way or the other. But I was seeking his reaction to the new standards because he kind of led the charge uh, in the House Education Committee to pull those out. but So check back at idola.news.org. Uh,
0: hope to have something next week soon, uh, with we'll more, more
1: legislators. That. And, uh, yeah, yeah, go to our homepage, scroll down through several stories to get back to last Friday's headline about the new proposed science standards. Like you said, we shared some of the documents, and you can really wade in. And uh, and look for yourself. See, see what you think for for yourself uh, about those standards. So that's all out there. I want to shift gears from state-level issues and state-level politics. Kevin, you have continued uh, to track the Trump administration and specifically uh, President Trump's proposed budget and how that would affect uh, education. Uh, You Mm -hmm. took kind of a deep dive into this. Uh, What are you finding out? And then I want to talk specifically about some of the reactions afterwards
0: from some key Idaho players. But what, what are some of the... The key points from the Trump budget. Well, the budget that was released on Tuesday, the numbers were very similar to numbers that came out in March. Uh, The White House did a summary of the budget, it's called the skinny budget, in mid-March. And you could see the numbers and you could see very clearly where this administration wanted to shift money within education, what this administration wanted to cut and what this administration wanted to, uh, to boost with the budget. What we saw on Tuesday kind of fleshes out those cuts and those uh, proposed increases and gives you a little bit more detail, but the numbers didn't change all that much. And the overriding, uh, the, the overriding philosophy hasn't changed at all. This is an administration that wants to put more money into school choice initiatives, a, a whole host of school choice initiatives. And to get there, And to cut this education budget by $9 billion, they're zeroing out some programs that uh, are fairly widespread in Idaho, Uh, a program that's funded uh, teacher training, professional development, helps schools uh, hire more teachers. This is a $10 million program in Idaho, so not a huge ticket item in the context of the education numbers that we talk about uh, routinely, but it's $10 million that almost every school district and charter gets a share of. So. Impacts would be fairly widespread if that program were zeroed out. Uh, Talking again, the administration about zeroing out uh, before and after school uh, programs and summer school programs, and you have those in over 40 communities around the state uh, designed to provide some extra help and kind of a safe environment for for kids in high poverty uh, schools, high poverty communities, that would be zeroed out. So we knew all of that. So we got a little bit more of a sense of the numbers, but I think as the numbers came in in more detail, uh, the reactions were uh, maybe more pointed this time around. Uh, A couple that really kind of struck me, the congressional delegation, we heard from three of the four members of the delegation, uh, Senators uh, Crapo and and Risch and Congressman Simpson. uh, All three basically were lukewarm about the budget proposal and all kind of took to point out that, you know, it's actually Congress who's going to set this budget. And what right. the administration has done is set forth its uh, its list of priorities, you know, kind of a, okay, we'll take it under advisement sort of a tone. Uh, Let's the talk the about, Idaho though, charter community, I yeah. thought, was interesting as well, because, as I said, a lot of money being earmarked for school choice programs, including charter schools, uh, the charter community kind of gave it mixed reviews in the sense of, well, it's good that this administration would like to put more money into charters, but we're concerned about these overall cuts in education funding and how that is going to affect not just the traditional public schools, but affect the charter schools as well, and the concern that this is going to potentially pit charter schools against traditional public schools for funding. I found that to be an interesting reaction Definitely an interesting reaction, though, from State Superintendent Sherry Ibarra.
1: Let's talk about Superintendent um, Sherry Ibarra's reaction. The last time I had a lengthy interview with the superintendent was after the end of this year's legislative session. So it's been uh, almost two months at this point. But she spoke in almost glowing terms about her admiration Uh, for Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos, uh, and she talked about how um, when she was in D.C., she saw the presidential motorcade, did not have a chance to meet President Trump, but spoke in in very favorable terms uh, about the administration and especially about uh, Secretary DeVos. What was Superintendent Ibarra's reaction uh, to the
0: budget this week? What what did you hear? Oh, boy. The the, the thrill is gone, uh, apparently. Because I'd heard that, too. I got that sentiment from Superintendent Navarro back in April. Mind you, the numbers were out. Sure. The skeletal overview of this budget was a matter of public record and had been for weeks. It it had been part of the public domain even when she had visited D.C. in late March. In early April, she spoke to educators about uh, the White House's shift towards federalism, its shift away from what she considered to be an intrusive federal government, very glowing terms, and kind of downplayed the budget cuts. Yeah. He said, you know, the, the budget cuts are research-driven, and there are increases in this budget as well as decreases. That was, yeah, that and was Don't worry way too much about the, the numbers. We're uh, cutting
1: here, but we're adding in here. Don't worry about it. Nothing to see here kind of a thing. Right,
0: and I... Kept that prepared statement from April and uh, posted it alongside the comments that she made on Tuesday. And I'm just going to scroll down and look at the comments that she made on Tuesday to to make sure that I uh, couch them correctly. I cannot and will not support a budget that reduces funding for public education. That's her coming out of the gate and talks about the problems that this budget would create. Uh, urges uh, education stakeholders to contact the congressional delegation to advocate for a budget that funds programs that are important to our teachers and to our most vulnerable students. And here's the kicker. As you talked about, um, Superintendent Barra at first, very, very supportive, very sympathetic to uh, this administration and Education Secretary Betsy DeVos. This uh, sentence really jumped out at me. Quote, this, I am inviting Secretary DeVos to visit one of the nation's red states to see how rural Idaho could be affected by federal policies and initiatives. First of all, that would be a great, great political theater if Betsy DeVos and Cheri Ibarra were to meet uh, somewhere in Idaho sometime in the near future. Not holding my breath, but I'm not giving up hope either. That would be, that would be fascinating to watch. But definitely the tone is very different right now from uh, Superintendent Ibarra. Uh, a lot more critical, almost combative, almost saying, you know, you guys need to come out and see what your budget would do in in my state. So a very different tack, a very different tone. It it is really different, and especially because Superintendent Ibarra, um, our superintendent
1: here in Idaho, uh, took pains to publicly draw parallels between herself and Secretary DeVos, Superintendent Ibarra talked about uh, some of the negative media coverage of uh, Betsy DeVos's confirmation hearing and initial run on the job, and she said that was sort of like what I went through here in Idaho, and and she was sort of saying the media was out to get both of them, and and that she could
0: relate to her in that regard, right? Right, right. Uh, Ibarra gave an interview to Chuck Malloy at Idaho Politics Weekly. Uh, where she said all of those things about Secretary DeVos, and, and you know, again, very sympathetic, very, uh, very supportive of the secretary and the administration. So, so a very different tone. And you know, you and I both know, and anybody listening to this podcast knows, a lot has changed politically in in the past six weeks. It's a moving target. This administration is facing a lot of criticism on a lot of fronts that really have nothing to do with education. Sure. So the the political climate is different than it was even 6 weeks ago so maybe politically there's more cover and maybe even more strategic advantage if you even if you're a republican even if you're a republican who's going to run in a primary in a year to distance uh, yourself from this administration i don't know if this is politics or just a closer look a deeper dive into the numbers or something else or maybe a combination of uh, of what i'm talking about here regardless it's a very different tone from uh, secretary uh, from superintendent Nibara, and we'll we'll see how that uh, unfolds or if that continues and and we'll we'll keep watching and listening and paying attention and i think it is fascinating if it does turn out to be politics and if it is the beginning of what
1: could be members of the Republican Party distancing themselves from the Trump administration and Secretary DeVos, as you said. As we know, Superintendent Ibarra has um, a, a primary of her own in Idaho next year, um, where she will have a, a, at least one Republican opponent. All the legislators in the state will have uh, uh, their seats up for re-election next year and uh, so it could be interesting but I, that's something I want to continue to watch is see how members of the Republican Party respond to the Trump administration and respond to some of these proposals as we get closer to 2018 elections
0: Right, and, and I think maybe part of it may be just as simple as the fact that uh, this budget is merely a proposal sure. as the congressional delegation went out of its way to say it's a proposal that uh, Congress will take under advisement and Congress will do its own budget some of what I'm reading in the national media suggests that this budget is basically dead on arrival anyway. Right. So, yeah, maybe that's part of the equation, too, for, for Superintendent Nabara, And I've not had a chance to talk to her to flesh out kind of the, the motivations and the machinations behind her statement. But, you know, politically, does it make a whole lot of sense for her to go to bat for a budget that <laughs> may not uh, come to pass anyway. Does that factor into the equation? I don't know. All I know is what, what she said this week as opposed to what she said in April— Go to my blog, you can look at the two statements side by side and 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 notice the differences, because the differences were were unmistakable. Sure. And and just to point it out, to be fair to Superintendent
1: Ibarra, she has a track record, In her track record in the state of Idaho, while she's been in office, has been advocating for increases in education funding in Idaho. That is the superintendent's track record. She has advocated for increases in uh, investing in education in the state of Idaho in each year uh, that she's been in office thus far in, in her first term. Right, Kevin? Yep. All right. Well, I think that that catches us up on a busy week. Lots more news that we didn't get a chance to get to this week uh, that is on our homepage at Idaho Education News. More news out of Eastern Idaho and the Bonneville School District and its boundary changes. Uh, you can check that out if, you're, uh, uh, if your family attends uh, schools in the Bonneville Uh,
0: school district Um, There's some interesting stuff from Eastern Idaho this week that that story, uh, Devin Bodkin also had a a piece about South Fremont High School and its focus on STEAM not just the STEM disciplines but also working arts into the equation how that has affected test scores that's an interesting story that you'll want to check out I'm working on a story right now out of the Middleton
1: School District, kind of about the transformation of an alternative school there. They're embracing mastery-based education, uh, which is a big topic in Idaho, uh, and it, it deals with not advancing from grade to grade based on seat time. Uh, it's true mastery of a concept and a standard. Uh, and so we can talk. Uh, take a look for that story about how they're transforming an alternative school Uh, and trying to introduce more rigor uh, and focus more on, say, students' education as opposed to just discipline. Uh, That's a fun story I'm almost finished with out of the Middleton um, School District. And we'll continue uh, to follow the story about science standards in Idaho, continue to try and reach uh, some of the Republicans who were active uh, this past legislative session on the science standards front. But in the meantime...
0: Check in in next week for for more about the science standards. I'm hoping next week to... uh to take a closer look uh, at some numbers that our Randy Schrader has compiled about what happened this past winter in terms of school closures and what's happened in terms of makeup dates, uh, get a sense of uh, what sort of impact this weather and this uh, <laughs> remarkable historic winter what kind of impact it had in the classrooms across the state. So we hope to have that story later next week. So keep an eye out for that.
1: That's a good timely piece. As the school year comes to a close, several schools' last day is today. Uh, and more schools will have their last days of the school year next week. So that's a timely piece. And I think all of our listeners will be interested in that one. There's a lot going on with that story. But uh, hope everyone has a great uh, happy, fun, safe Memorial Day weekend. Uh, we will be back next week uh, with another edition of the Extra Credit Podcast. As always, I always want to thank you for listening. I am Clark. I'm Kevin. Have a good week.